what would you do if you knew the world was about to end tomorrow? If you knew you had just one day left, you and everybody else in the whole world, what would you do? There's an apocryphal story that somebody once asked this question of the great church reformer, Martin Luther. What would you do, Martin Luther, if you knew the world was about to end tomorrow? And the story goes that his answer was, I would plant a tree for two reasons. First, every single one of the many, many thousands of people throughout history so far who have confidently thought they knew that the world was about to end the next day have been wrong so far. And so why should I be any different? But for the second reason, what if the end really is at hand? Well, then at least when my Lord comes, he'll find me caring for his earth. And so I will plant a tree. I love that answer. So you can imagine my disappointment to learn that there's no evidence Martin Luther ever really said that. But the story is still precious. It arose apparently in the 1940s during the Second World War in Germany among members of the underground confessing church, which was, um, which was standing against the Nazi regime. And their hero was Martin Luther. They were good Lutherans. And in that context, they told this story as a way of inspiring hope in times of great peril and great distress. And we need stories of hope in times of peril and great distress. Most of us probably don't think that the world is going to end tomorrow, although we can't be completely sure. And we don't live either in the apocalyptic conditions of the Second World War. We certainly have perils of our own times. We have our own versions of signs in the heavens and on the earth. We have wildfires and winds and droughts. We have signs of a climate crisis that with continued inaction will become a climate catastrophe. And we have distress among nations. We have attacks on democracy, rising authoritarianism around the world, a civic order that feels as if it is in a tailspin. We could map some of Jesus's apocalyptic sayings onto the times we live in. And yet, of course, most of the generations of history between then and now have been able to say the same. There are often wars and rumors of wars and signs of distress all around. And so how do we live faithfully in the midst of the apocalypses that are part of our own lives? Even at an individual level, we will all face our own moments of apocalypse, perhaps in an accident, an unexpected crisis, a broken relationship with someone we love, a diagnosis that brings fear and trembling, or maybe just the knowledge that 
really, for each of us, we are here in the end for just a short time. Whether our death comes to us sudden and early or peacefully in bed after four score years and 10, our own world will end for each of us one day. Jesus says, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Mysterious words in our gospel reading today. Because of course, in one sense, they didn't come true. Jesus's first generation of followers who heard him say that, say those words, all died. And so have many, many generations since. And the son of man hasn't yet returned on a cloud. What do we make of these words? It's possible perhaps that Jesus was talking not about the end of all things, but about the destruction of the temple by the Romans, and the devastation of Jerusalem, which very much did happen during the lifetimes of those first disciples. It's hard to tell in this discourse as Jesus seems to switch back and forth ambiguously from talking about the dramatic crisis that happens on a human scale throughout history to the mysterious return of the Son of Man and the ushering in of the reign of God. A few verses earlier than the passage we heard today, he's strictly warning his followers not to be fooled into thinking that the end is at hand, just because there are wars and disasters. But then a few verses later in our reading from today, he tells them to be on the lookout and watch for the signs, learn from the fig tree. When you see these things happening, it's at hand. And so it is murky. It is hard to know what to make of this business of apocalypse. What is clear is that following Jesus means getting ready. It means being alert. It means keeping watch. Stay awake, he says. Be on guard, pray for strength to endure, but also take hope. Lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Today is the beginning of Advent. This is a season of expectation, a season of self-examination, a season that carries with it its note of penitence, of repenting what we need to repent and letting go what holds us back but it's also a season of joy and hope, fierce hope and fierce joy. Joy that is able to look straight into the traumas of our lives and of the creation and still say, lift up your heads. Your savior is at hand. We say that Advent is a time of preparation for the birth of Jesus. And of course, in one sense, that's true. We are preparing for Christmas, but Advent is about so much more than that. After all, we can't really prepare for the birth of Jesus, which has already happened. We can't teleport ourselves back 2,000 years any more than we can go back and prepare for the Tubbs fire or September 11th or any other dramatic event that has passed into our past. Advent doesn't ask ourselves to do mental gymnastics, to put ourselves into a time where we don't live. It asks us to learn from those stories, to discern what God is doing now 
in the times when we do live. And so we do prepare during Advent for Christmas. We prepare ourselves to celebrate once more the commemoration of the birth of Jesus, that event which did happen and resonates down to our time. And we participate in it again every Christmas. But Christmas 2021 will be different from any other Christmas that's ever happened. What can we do today? What can you do today to help yourself arrive at December 25th, 2021 with an open heart in right relationship with your neighbor, ready to open yourself to Christmas? That is part of what we're preparing for. But in this season, we are also preparing ourselves for what is really yet to come, which is that glorious climax to history that Jesus talks about today. Not that we are fooling ourselves that we know what it will be like, when it will arrive. Simply putting our faith in the fact that God is in charge of the whole human story and the whole story of the cosmos bigger than and beyond humanity. And that God's purpose is to set the world to right. And that nothing can ultimately thwart God's purposes. And to know that we, that everyone else whom God has loved into being, will one day stand with everything we have ever been and everything we have ever done, exposed to ourselves and to the loving gaze of a God of infinite justice and infinite mercy. How will we come to that day? Not by trying to save ourselves, not by trying to whip ourselves into shape by our good deeds and best efforts, by trusting God, by putting our trust in the one that we have come to know through Jesus, and then living in the light of that grace, following the footsteps of Jesus, simple, joyful, merciful. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker, Jesus is coming, look busy. Good joke, terrible theology. Because Jesus isn't looking to be impressed by our busyness or frantic labors. And part of Advent means making space for rest, for silence for new possibilities to grow in the darkness. So Jesus isn't looking to find us busy, but what Jesus is looking for is to find us faithful, to find us trusting in him and in God. So maybe we might say instead, Jesus is coming, go plant a tree, plant a tree Plant a seed of something that might or might not ever grow. Plant a seed of generosity. Plant a seed of resistance to evil. Plant a seed of service. Plant a seed of advocacy. Plant a seed of starting a new relationship with a neighbor. Plant seeds of hospitality. And lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near.